0: Hey, we know the reason why we're all here is because you got your Christmas shopping done, right? You guys are already done with Christmas shopping. You're not in the stores. Taylor just got here, so she's, she's done with her shopping. We know that, right? Uh, so, like, the next question uh, is, like, do you guys open gifts Christmas Eve or Christmas Day? Who are, who's the Christmas Eve crowd? Man, everyone else is Christmas Day. Is that right? Just show me your hands just to confirm. Christmas Day gifts. Okay. All right. Just making sure you guys are awake. So I guess it depends, regardless of when you open those Christmas gifts, right? If you're giving a gift to someone, like especially if you're giving multiple gifts, you always have like this order, right? You have this sequence and you start with like, well, you save the best gift for last, right? You want to like build up the hype, build up the suspense to where when that person opens the gift, like they're excited, they're they're surprised. Um, so, like, if you're like me growing up as a kid, your parents did this thing where uh, you asked for, like, a PlayStation. Maybe you didn't ask for a PlayStation. I did. And uh, they give you, like, this small package, and it's a pair of socks. Right? And you're like, ah, oh, well, <laughs> what am I going to do with socks? Or, or it's a pair of pajamas. Like, even though you're already wearing a pair of pajamas, like, not like you need another pair of pajamas. Eventually, though, they, they get through the gifts, and it gets to the gift that you wanted, right? The gift that you want, not that you need, because our parents seem to have an idea of what we need, right? Eventually, it gets to the point where you open the gifts that you wanted for, that you asked for. I've got a son. If, if there's any parents in the room, you know that, that kids are expensive, right? You're laughing. It's true. Well, you don't mind, though, because you love them, but let me tell you, if I'm honest, if I can package a gift that my son needs, if there's something he needs, and I can package it in the form of a gift, I'm going to do that every single time because yes. it's just more gifts that he gets to open, right? <laughs> so now I'm older, though. Now I'm older. And my parents ask me, like, what do you want for Christmas? And I'm like, ah, I don't need anything. Like, if there's something I, I want, I'll buy it. Or if there's something I need, I should already have it. But, of course, family loves you, right? So they'll still kind of give you those gifts. But now, like, we, we're on the same page in terms of what my expectations are for gifts. Wrong. No, I still get, like, bed sheets. I get, like, dish pans. Last year, like, the grand gift. You want to know what the grand gift was? Close. It was an emergency roadside kit. (laughs) Emergency roadside kit. Clearly, my parents still know what I need because I didn't have any of this stuff, and it's stuff that I need, you know? And as a kid, we struggle to understand what the difference is between a want and a, a need, Correct? And just to be clear, a desire is still a want. Just if we want to use that word, I desire, it's still a want, right? So as Samuel was saying, Christmas is about the gift of Jesus, the gift that we need. God knew what we needed. He gave us his son, right? But I feel like we've kind of come to a point where we, we've, we've looked at gifts with like a, an underwhelming appreciation, you know, if you ever get a gift that, that you're really not looking forward to, like that sweater from your tia, you're like, oh, like, I'm never going to wear this, right? <laughs> Sometimes we look at that with, like, Jesus. It's like, oh, yeah, like, yeah, I already have Jesus, though. What I, really, what I really need is this. What I really need is a relationship right now. Or what I really need is to get into that college. Or I really need that career. Oh, I, I already have Jesus, though. You know? And I think we need to change the language in what we need is what we want. We continue to go back and say what we want. We clearly, as adults, don't know what we need. And, and something to highlight is if your wants are what you're building, your wants are what are going to take you down. Okay? Uh, for this reason, though, this is why Jesus came to this earth. He came to this earth because... He had a heart for humanity. He had a heart for us, right? John 3, 16, probably the most famous verse in the Bible. We, I'm not going to ask you guys to quote it. I'm not going to put you on the spot here. But there's, there's a second verse right after that that's key. So it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, meaning die, but have eternal life. For God, usually we stop right there. Let's keep reading, though. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus was born in this world ultimately to save us from our sins. But he did, he came to this world to do a lot more than that. We we don't give him credit for that. We've been talking about the abundant life in series past. John 10.10, the second part of the verse, says, I, meaning Jesus, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly this abundant life, it doesn't start when you die. We think that. It doesn't. And if, if you look at, at the word abundant, we don't really use that word often, but what, what are some other words that are in the same league as abundant? Plentiful, rich, lavish, generous, overflowing. Sounds pretty good. The opposite, scarce, meager, deficient, lacking, inadequate, insufficient, wanting. Which one describes your life today? I, I prayed a prayer. There's probably prayers that we've all prayed, right? But there are certain prayers that are just good prayers. Like, you got to pray for them. Like, wisdom. Like, we should all pray for wisdom. That's a good one. And, and I prayed. I'm like, you know, at the beginning of the year, I was like, God, you know, I would love the heart of Jesus. And I don't know why I asked that. Um, it just sounded like a good prayer. But had I known, like... Like, what the impact of that is, what that entails, I probably would have put, like, an asterisk or a disclaimer. Because if you look at the life in the heart of Jesus, he had a very heavy heart. He was, he was referred to as man of sorrow. You know, like, never mind, right? I don't want that. What God was basically saying to me, though, when I asked this, and not audibly, but he, he revealed to me, he's like, before you feel what I feel... You need to see what I see, right? Basically saying, like, James, you have no idea what you're asking for. Like, you, you don't want any of this. But he still, he still kind of continued to work in me through the year and, and reveal a lot of that. And if I'm, if I'm real with you, like, this year has been a very emotional year for me. It's been a very painful year for me, which is very weird because it's also been an amazing year, an amazing year. But the thing is, not only is there, has there been pain in my life, but there's been pain and brokenness in the lives of people around me. And there's, there's pain and brokenness in the lives of people who I see on the streets every day. Like, I can't avoid broken people. And I'm like, man, like, where, like when did the world just get so jacked up? And I, I remember, I'm like, oh, man. No, it's because, like, This is the way Jesus sees people. He sees them broken. And, you know, 2,000 years ago, we might think the world wasn't so bad as it is today, but it was. In the days of Jesus, there were a lot of broken people. We see people with diseases, death, crime, racism, cheating, infidelity, government, oppression, poverty, hate, discrimination, abuse, and even legalism. That's a lot of brokenness. That's a lot of problems. And we thought the world was bad today, right? But brokenness is not a result of everything I just read there. Brokenness is not a result of it. It's the root cause of it. All that is because of the brokenness of humanity, right? All you got to do is open your eyes to see pain. Like, if, if you don't see anyone that's, that's hurting or going through pain, then you're, you're just walking through life blind, to be real. Um, Sammy and I were talking uh, this week, just even the idea that Jesus was born and then immediately, like, became a refugee. His life was on the run. He was on the run. And I know, I'm pretty sure, like, nobody here was running for their life as a child. Pretty sure no one here. But there is somebody on the other side of the world that is. And Jesus came so he might relate to that person as well. Like Jesus came, that's the whole point of him taking on human flesh is so he could relate to every one of us. So he could feel what we feel. And there's, there's a huge difference between saying like, I'm sorry for what you're going through versus I know what you're going through. Or I'm sorry for your loss versus I feel the pain of your loss. Or I'm sorry you had to go through that versus I'm going through that with you. Sympathy versus empathy. Sympathy is a feeling of pity or sorrow. Again, I'm sorry. You know, sorrys don't really make us feel that well. But empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. Key word, share. Right? And this is exactly the heart of Jesus. Jesus feels. The problem is, some of us don't feel. Right? The the problem is we don't allow, allow ourselves to truly feel. When is the last time you felt? You know, we're too busy numbing ourselves. And when I say numbing ourselves, that doesn't always mean drug, sex, and alcohol. We're on sensory overload. Sometimes we're at the point where we are jamming our schedules so much to where life doesn't even get a chance to catch up to us, Right? There's no downtime. And you know what you end up being? An emotional refugee. You're running from your emotions. So they can't catch you. And, and you might be so busy maybe seeking the approval of, of someone else or others or um, the attention of something that you don't have time to face the music of, of what you actually think of yourself, who you actually are, and why. Why? A lot of us, I think, are like this in principle. Um, we, we just, I mean, for me, I don't like to go to the doctor. I hate going to the doctor because then I have to figure out what's wrong with me, and I have to face the music. But there are serious health consequences to not going to the doctor, right? And there are serious health consequences to not addressing your pain. Those health consequences are, are not only physical, but they're spiritual, and they're emotional, but our God is an emotional being, right? We see, if, see it laid out through the Bible, like starting from the beginning, the Old Testament, the first section of the Bible, right? We see that God is delight, like the emotions that he goes through, delight, grief, pain, jealousy, anger, love, compassion, pretty emotional. And you might say like, oh, that's God. Like, obviously, like, he's God. But, st- you know, phase two Jesus enters the scene, and Jesus laughed, he cried, he got angry, he celebrated, he was betrayed, he dealt with a lot of drama, right? Matthew 26. The scene here is Jesus is uh, heading to the garden of Gethsemane before he's about to die. And taking with him Peter and two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. Man of sorrows right there. So, so you guys know we're made in God's image, right? We're made in God's image. So if, if God thinks, we think. right? If God creates, we create. So if God feels, we should feel. We should allow ourselves to feel. And I think our culture has done an amazing job lately. You hear a lot of, about it. The whole emotional health thing, I, I love it. I support it. But our culture has, has promoted that. But some of, our, some of what we see in the church culture has said, okay, that's cool out there. But as soon as you walk through these doors, like, you need to be okay. You need to be okay. And if you're not, there's, there's something wrong with you and something very wrong with your faith. Like, maybe you don't trust Jesus enough. Or, like, are you even a follower? But I think we forget, like, the church is supposed to be a hospital for the souls. So, like, it's okay to be messed up. It's okay that we don't have it together. That's why we're here, right? Jesus is fully able to handle our emotions, our feelings. Um, there's There's a passage here from a book I'm reading. It says... In our culture, addiction has become the most common way to deal with our pain. We watch television incessantly. We keep busy running from one activity to another. We work 70 hours a week, indulge in pornography, overeat, drink, take pills, anything to help us avoid the pain. Some of us demand that someone or something, be it a marriage, a sexual partner, an ideal family, children, an achievement, a career, or even a church, take our pain away. That's a big burden to put on something else. But that's our culture right now. We're looking at the wrong things. We're looking at the wrong things. And Jesus came so that we may have this abundant life now. Like, that is the present that we don't have to wait for. That's the gift that we don't have to wait for. Not just Jesus, but the abundant life. Like, we can have that now. You guys, I mean... Awkward situations, that's just part of our life, right? Um, we probably all went to Christmas parties where there was some awkward conversations, awkward settings, right? And you're just thinking to yourself, man, I just can't wait till this is over, right? Or be at work or, or something else. A lot of times, maybe they're just not moments, but they're seasons. Maybe a season in your life and you're like, oh, man, I, I just cannot wait for this season to be done. This, is, this has been a nightmare, We look, what usually gets us to the next is the hope that what the next is will be better than what the now is, right? But the problem is a lot of times we are so reliant on the hope of the next instead of Jesus. Our hope is in the the next instead of Jesus. Our hope is misplaced. And the problem is what if the next isn't better? What if you never get to the next? I want to talk about the idea um, of Egypt. So we're looking at Matthew next. This is post-nativity scene. The party's over. The party's over. All the shepherds are gone. The wise men are gone. It says, now, when they had departed, behold... An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. He said, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. Remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and he took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt. And he remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. So Egypt, from a biblical perspective, we, we know, we see, Egypt is often seen of a place of oppression, right? We, we see, if we know about Joseph, Joseph with the coat, right? He gets sold into slavery, sent to Egypt. Then we look into, like, Exodus, Moses, and the Israelites. The Israelites are in bondage. They're in slavery in Egypt. We just continue to see uh, Egypt as just a representation of, like, the hurting and the suffering of God's people, right, symbolically. And... So if we look at Egypt, we might ask ourselves, based on that verse, why is Jesus going to Egypt? Why is he going to there? You know? And, and yeah, he's running for his life. Yeah, um, it's to fulfill prophecy. And if you want to really get into it, he's actually to become the, the new Moses. It's very interesting if you, if you get into that. But the idea is, it's more than that, I believe. Right. He's going to a place, again, as I said, historically known for the suffering of God's people. It's a place that he knows he can't stay in, and he actually didn't stay there very long. Jesus didn't stay in that spot very long. And we know if he was to fulfill his mission, his cause, he had to leave Egypt. He had to leave Egypt. So some of us, though, maybe are in Egypt. If we were to say Egypt is pain. A painful season. Some of us are in Egypt, and and we don't have to stay there very long, but others of us maybe have been in Egypt for a very long time. Maybe we have become uh, shackled with chains. We're slaves. We're in bondage. We got so used to that. We've got so used to accepting and and going with the pain and and covering the pain that we just kind of walk around without realizing it. Those chains are just an accessory. Jesus went to Egypt to show us that he moves towards our pain. Jesus moves towards our pain, not away from our pain. He's willing to confront that, right? The Israelites were in Egypt for 400 years. And you might say, that's a long time. Did they even realize that they were in slavery for that long? Or did it just kind of happen? Did the time just show up and be like, wow, like, We've been bondage this long. Like, have you gone through, like, years, maybe months or years where you're like, man, like, where has the time gone? Why am I still, like, in bondage to this? Why am I still, like, held down by this, right? Pain that you just continue to wrestle with. Or maybe you've just buried it down so, so far down that you, you, don't ha- you don't feel it anymore. But somehow you just can't seem to move on. You can't seem to get out of Egypt. And, and the question might be, like, how long do I have to stay in Egypt for? I don't know. I don't know. If you look at Joseph, again, we won't go into the whole story, but Joseph never left Egypt. But that didn't mean he was not faithful to God. He, jo- Joseph was sold into slavery, was a servant in a high ruler's house, then got thrown into prison under false accusations, eventually rose to second-in-command. He was eventually a free man but never left Egypt, you know? So Joseph never left Egypt, but God, if we look at his life, God never left Joseph. And if you don't get to leave Egypt, are you still going to be faithful to God? God. Because God's faithfulness isn't always based on your comfort. Emmanuel. I love that song, that Christmas song, Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. Just as God was with Joseph, he never left Joseph, God is with us. And when Jesus came, he was to be called Emmanuel. Matthew 1 says, Emmanuel, meaning God with us, right? Who who watches basketball here? I love basketball. I love. I could talk basketball all day. I could probably like speak speak the Bible in basketball terms. I won't do that here. But if you've been watching the last week, we just saw like a preview of the NBA finals. I would say, Lakers, Bucks, and we got two guys with nicknames. Nicknames: the Greek Freak and King James. That's what they're called. That's not their name, but that's what they're called. And in this verse here, that's what he's saying. They're saying about Jesus, he's to be called Emmanuel, though his name is Jesus, right? Because God with us described him, just as the Greek freak describes Giannis, blah blah blah, blah, blah right? <laughs> or King James, <laughs> King James. He's, his name is LeBron James, and he's the king. So King James, God is with us. Emmanuel, he will never leave us, right? As Jesus is leaving this earth, ascending, about to ascend, he says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He will never leave us or forsake us. And it's so interesting when people say, oh, I found God. And that's okay if they say that. Like, we know what they mean. But, like, God was never lost. He never left you, you know? He's never been gone to begin with. So Christmas, we know, is in a few days, right? And I'm willing to bet, like, a lot of us, a lot of us are looking forward to beyond Christmas now because, well, wow, Christmas is a lot to handle sometimes, right? We're, we're looking to the new year and the new decade, 2020. Amazing. We got all these plans. But we need to stop there, I think, just to just to pause for a minute and just recognize, like, Really, what what this season means, like, we've got God's gift, which is Jesus. Let's not overlook that. Let's not receive Him with an underwhelming, ah, oh, uh, yeah, I already have Jesus, right? Number two, like, I feel like sometimes, actually, you know, if you ever see little kids opening presents, you've you've probably seen that before. They're just like in the hurry, and they want the next gift, right? And it's like, wait, 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 wait. Like, they're not even opening the gift. They're not even looking in the bag to see, like, what is the gift? What is the present? And I feel sometimes we do that with Jesus. We're like, yeah, I have Jesus. Okay, but, like, what what can he give me? What's next? Okay. Like, let's pause. There's some things that we can ask for that we need that will help us fully tap into and invest in those other gifts that he's got for us. Like, he's got a lot of gifts for us, but he's going to give us the gift that we need first. One, being his son. Two, being abundant life. Three is maybe some spiritual disciplines. Four, maybe some emotional uh, maturity. Let's get all that first. Then we can really value and appreciate the rest of the gifts that he's got for us, right? So that being said, God will always give you what you need first. Now, that we're, we're talking about uh, receiving, right? A lot of Receiving. And, and we know it's better to give than to receive. I think it's even better to let go. There's a lot of things we need to let go of. Because we can't receive if we're holding on to other things. You know, if you take a trip... Well, let me back up. Some of the things we're holding on to are actually toxic things. They're, th- they're flammable, combustible things. that can blow up in our face. So if you try to get through the airport security to check that in, they're going to stop you. They're not going to let you on. We try to take that onto a plane. We're not going to get through the first gate. And the reason why is those things in the wrong hands have the potential to sabotage our journey, to sabotage the trip. We have to let those go. Nelson and I actually, we got, got to do a lot of traveling this year. We like trotted the globe. It was an amazing year. Um, but amidst that we actually got pretty good at traveling like we learned we don't have to show up to the airport six hours before a flight or we don't have but we also don't have to show up an hour before the flight right nelson (laughs) (laughs) just kidding i'm gonna throw um some pictures on the screen and i also want to invite the worship band up what's going on here what is going on here This is Nelson. I got full permission to use these pictures. He's carrying all his luggage. He's carrying all his luggage. Why? He didn't want to check it in. He didn't want to check it in. That's a ridiculous picture, but you know what? We look like that sometimes. We're like, God, I'm ready for this journey. But I got all this junk. I don't want to check it in. First of all, some of that stuff he shouldn't have even brought. He brought, ba- he brought b- like a basketball sh- and a basketball shoes, right? <laughs> next picture. How are you supposed to enjoy the destination when you're carrying all the junk? You're carrying all that junk. God's like, leave it. You don't need it for the next spice. You're like, God, I need, I need to take this. I might need it later. I might need it later. And you know how ridiculous that looks? I love this guy. But it's ridiculous. That's how we look. Because we, we don't want to release to God these things. And you know what's going to happen? We're going to enter into uh, that relationship or that marriage carrying all this baggage. And uh, you know what I was saying during that? I was like, dude, why did you bring all this? Why did you bring it? Imagine you're married to someone who brought all this baggage in. Imagine you are friends with someone who brings this baggage everywhere you go. You're going to look at them and not want to be with them. They're going to, you might be able to wear all that stuff, but after a while, it's going to get heavy. It's going to wear on you. You might be able to give it to a friend and have them carry it, but eventually, they're going to be like, I don't want this. I don't want, I don't want to spend time with you. We, we don't need this stuff. We don't need the baggage, right? We don't need it, and God wants it. He says, give it to me. Matthew 11 says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, for I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Come to Jesus. He offers a, an easier, lighter load. And we do that. Some of us do that. But we don't do the second part, which is the next verse. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. We come to Jesus still carrying all this stuff. And he's like, yeah, that's great. That's a piece of it. But now give me the rest of your stuff. So to do that, though, like that's not just junk. There's pain. There's a lot of pain in people. There's a lot of brokenness. Ultimately, that's what sin does. There's a lot of pain that we need to dig down and and uncover. And we have stuff inside of us, as I said, that's broken. We can't forever push the override button. We have to get healed because whatever you have inside of you is eventually going to surface. If it hasn't already. And it may not be fair. It may have been something done to you. Like you had no control over it. It sucked. But we have to give it to God. Because there's an idea of of sowing and reaping. Whatever seeds have been sown. Will come to harvest. And some of that harvest isn't pretty. And if you don't deal with it. It will deal with you. Holding on to you, all those things is not only going to burden you, but it's going to cause you to to lose your joy. You're going to lose your praise. You're going to lose your peace. These are all things that God ultimately wants for us. And no, we can't change the past, unfortunately. But God has given us an opportunity to rewrite the narrative. Rewrite it. Let's, Let's rip the page Start a new one. Give me your trash. Some of us don't trust God for the future because we're blaming Him for the past. Do we truly believe God is good? Do we truly believe? Well, do we truly believe He's good? Do we trust Him? Do we trust the Creator? Because how we live and how we respond to those questions is going to determine whether we live in fear or in faith. So the wise men brought gifts to Jesus, right? Whether it's tonight or tomorrow or in the next few weeks, I want you guys to bring your baggage to Jesus. Bring your trash. Bring your brokenness to Jesus. Because he doesn't need gifts, You got this dream, check it in. You got a relationship, just check it in. You got this pain, you just can't let go of, check it in, right? Fears of the future, check it in. And you know what's going to happen? Once you arrive to the next destination, God's going to give you what he needs you to have. So some of that stuff you checked in, you may still get it. But, but all that ugliness, that stuff you don't need for the journey, for the destination, you're not going to get it back. You check that in and trust God that he's going to give you back what you need, right? So it all comes down to this. As we close, it, it's really, it's about your heart. It's about your heart. You got to check your heart. So we sometimes want God to fix our heart, or we want an upgraded heart. And God's like, No, 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 no. Like, I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to give you a new heart because the one you've got is broken. And yeah, He could fix it, but like, why, why would you want to drive a, an old, beat up car that got fixed when you can drive a new car? When you can drive. That new car, when you can have that new heart, when you can have that abundant life. Right? Sometimes God wants to so like sometimes we want God to restore, and God says, Nah, I need you to surrender. So I'm gonna close this in prayer. And just remember that God can feel our hearts. Okay? God can feel our hearts. He knows our pain. And it's it really all comes down to us digging deep to pull up those roots and surrender those to him. So God, as we come to you, we first and foremost thank you for your son. Thank you for your gift to humanity, for breathing life in our lungs. God, and we, we want to pray that in this season, whatever season that we're going through, Lord, that we would fully surrender. We would fully give it up to you. Lord, we want to trust that you know the destination. Lord, that you, you know our hearts. You know what we need. And you know what we want, God. But we can't do any of that unless we start with you, God. Lord, be the king of our heart. Rule it, heal it. And give us a new one. In Jesus name. Amen.